Well, hi, everyone, and happy 2020. I am today so excited about our podcast. Um, Our podcast today is born of a really fascinating conversation I had this morning uh, with Dr. Paul Gordon. He and I are friends and thought partners, and we had had this great conversation. And then I thought, let's share this with our listeners. And so we wanted you to kind of have a front row seat to our conversation today about what does it mean to be courageous and to persevere? And so our topic today is Courageous Perseverance. And uh, this is episode 20 of the Inclusion Podcast. And if you don't know, I'm Dr. Julie Costin, and I'm here with Paul Gordon. Um, And I'll do a little introducing Paul, and then we can jump right into our conversation. So uh, Paul Gordon, I met him about three years ago at his previous school district, and it was a K-8 school district in Illinois. Um, And we've known each other for three years. And right away, the first day that I met him, he was doing a um, big presentation to his whole school. And I walked in the room and saw him and thought, okay, this guy, we could get along. Uh, It was kind of a TED type talk. And it was all about the concept of 168 hours, that we've got 168 hours every week. And he was really kind of exciting his school staff um, all the teachers in the, in the system to really think about how do we use those 186 hours. And I thought, this guy knows his stuff. Um, he's currently the superintendent at Wenatchee School District in Washington. Um, and before that, he spent 25 years in a large urban school district. Um, and so this is your second superintendency. And um, before that, I believe you were a principal, but you can tell us more about your experience. So that's uh, how I know Paul, and I know that you're going to love hearing from him. How we've structured today is going to be, we've got a few questions. I might add some more on a uh, few questions that we're going to kind of share back and forth our feelings on when we think about how to be courageous and persistent in this really hard work of creating equitable schools. So without further ado, welcome, Paul. Hey, Julie, I am so excited to be with you today. You're right, I've been doing the educational gig for a number of years now and, you know, started as a classroom teacher teaching reading to students two to five years behind, Um, then moved on to become an assistant principal, a principal of a middle school that had a uh, center school for our deaf and hard of hearing students mm-hmm. trying to be more inclusive as a, in our school. Mm-hmm. Fortunate enough to be named a chief academic officer of a school district of a roughly 40,000 students mm-hmm. and really do, doing good work there. Then took a huge leap of faith and moved uh, my family a thousand miles to the Midwest to <laughs> the Chicagoland area yep. to take on the superintendency there for the past six years. And then again, moved my wife and I and my dog Iggy uh, <laughs> a couple thousand miles to the west, to the Pacific Northwest. I'm now here in this incredible school district of Winnetchee School District. Mm. About 7,500 students, uh, 61% are free and reduced. Mm. Uh, we have a, about 1,200 students who are migrant, about 650 homeless students. Mm. So it, it's this really unique rural urban school district mm-hmm. uh, that we're excited to do uh, more work in helping students achieve greatness. Yeah. So, Paul, your enthusiasm for uh, growth really is unparalleled. As, as someone who I've spent a lot of time in meetings with you and we've really 
strategically thought about how to make uh, your previous school district even more inclusive. And I know we're talking about that now. Um, and so today, my hope is that you bring that energy to this, to yeah. our listeners who, you know, I'm just going to be honest, our listeners vary greatly. So I've got a lot of administrator listeners, a lot of uh, educators that listen, got a lot of families and parents, uh, usually parents of kids with disabilities that listen, that are really trying to learn more about how can I help my school system be inclusive. So as you answer these questions, kind of think from all those, you know, perspectives um, as we go. So welcome learner or welcome listeners. And we're going to jump in to uh, the first question that I have is about honesty. So when um, moving an entire system and creating a more inclusive school system, what role does honesty play in the work? It is the work. <laughs> when I think about this, about being honest, about this whole your topic of courageous perseverance, honesty has to be first and foremost, honesty with ourselves. <laughs> Where do we want our system, our organization, our school, our district to be, to really have that, that reflective conversation with yourself and your team to say, what's our why? Why are we trying to do this work? And wh who are we doing this work for? Mm -hmm. And are we willing to buy into this? And being dead honest with yourself, it can sound nice on a wall, because we got a lot of pretty things on our walls in schools that, you know, all kids, all this, all that. But are you honest about that all? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to go all in and be able to face some of the, the muck in the grind of the hard work of transforming a school, a district, yourself? So I think that honesty starts with the leader or the individual themselves. And then you need to have thought partners. And I'll tell the audience that Julie's an incredible thought partner. So when she, when her and I first met, I literally had never met Julie, <laughs> read a little bit about her, brought her into our school district. We wanted to become this more inclusive school district. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest right now, I'll be really vulnerable. I don't think we knew what that truly meant. Hmm. I, we did the hard why. We, we talked about it. But day two of Julie being <laughs> in our district, and she looked at it, and her and I have connected from day one. She looked at me, and she had honesty, and she looked at me and said, I haven't seen some of these practices since the 1970s. So my <laughs> jaw's on the ground. I'm like, okay, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and when can but you I leave? Needed that. I needed that from Julie to be able to, that's why I think you bring in consultants is to have that honest, reflective uh, individual who's willing to be honest with, with you, with a leader mm -hmm. and being able to have that opportunity to say, okay, what do you mean by that? Tell me more is what you mean. And she literally went through that. And then again, on that honesty page, I had to sit back while well, I was like thrown back in my chair uh, <laughs> and really had to sit in, in and sit in that that idea that we are so far behind, even further behind than I thought we were. Mm -hmm. And what did that mean to me? So, Julie, you're the one who really helped me think even deeper about being honest about where we're at on our trajectory to becoming a more inclusive school district. We had to start with that, you know, that honest truth, and you have to grapple with that. Uh, you know, that's that Jim Collins work in Good to Great. Yeah. You got you to gotta be able to wrap your arms around your truth, your real truth. And sometimes 
you do need an outside thought partner to come in and say, no, you're actually a little bit further behind than you even thought. Or so further you, ahead. Let's just. Like. Yeah. Okay. In, in that optimistic <laughs> world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, today in our conversation, Paul, you reminded me of something that you do often, which I just really respect, which is kind of live the life of a student as you walk, uh, sort of live the schedule of a student. Now, as an outside consultant, I do this all the time. And um, it isn't until you sit in the seat of, say, a follow a seventh graders daily life all the way through the day that you really see what is it that we are offering to kids. Um yeah. And in sometimes you'll be so surprised by how incredible it is. And then at other times you're just really, your jaw drops because you're like, oh boy, I can't sit through this any longer, right? Um, and so one of the pieces about getting honest is being vulnerable enough to hear the message and to say, okay, here's where we are today. And it didn't take you long to go, okay, well, where are we going to be tomorrow? And how about the next day? And how do we move ahead? Um, and so I think that is a really important piece. I'm going to jump to, go ahead. I think that whole honesty piece is also from a leader's ability is to see your system. And what I mean is being able to see the big picture of where do you want to go? That honesty around your why and it drives you, but being able to see how are we impacting this overall system? So one of the things that I did and encouraged other leaders to do is to do exactly what you were talking about, Julie, is to go in, and I called it being a student for a day, where I would take an elementary and middle school student's schedule. We were a K-8 mm-hmm. in my former district. Mm-hmm. And I would I would show up in the morning. I'd be outside. I would start the day. I'd go to recess. I'm pretty good at kickball. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I can beat those fourth grade kids. <laughs> That's and amazing. then do lunch, but sit in through the entire day. And I got to tell you, it's exhausting. And, and the amount of sitting, I think, was so surprising because as leaders, we go in and out because we have that freedom. And that's being honest with ourselves. You get to choose to leave, come and go as you please. But our kids are there. They're sitting. And then you think about all of our different kids and, and their needs, and, and we're sitting, we sit so much. And I, what I learned was the higher grade levels, we sit more and more. Right. We're pretty good with our, our K2 kids of moving around and they're enjoying mm-hmm. and they're in and out. They're a little bit more recess time. But by the time you're in middle school, mm-hmm. and now that I'm back in a K-12 district, mm-hmm. the amount of sitting is incredible. So that's that honesty piece around Seeing the system, but then also seeing the system through your kid's lens. Hmm. The only way to do this work is to sit in their seats. And I, you literally sit in their seats. You're doing their work alongside them, praying that you're not having a really challenging course. <laughs> that you can, you can keep up with the kids. Uh, but it's that honesty of seeing the system, seeing it through kids' eyes to be able to do good work. Because I think that builds your why. Mm-hmm. It builds your that courageous perseverance and being in schools, sitting in the seats, and also watching your teachers, mm-hmm. how much work is going on there. Mm-hmm. Again, from my comfy chair of the superintendent's office 
Mm-hmm. I can stand on the hilltop and say, you shall go <laughs> forth and do whatever. Right. But it's these teachers and principals and, and aides and, and staff members who are, who are living these, these, uh, these new ideas on a daily basis. Right. So today we were talking about the comfy chair and I know enough superintendents to say that, you know, comfy in some ways. And then also some of the most uh, challenging work happens at administrative levels because you get you get it from all all aspects. But uh, today, Paul said something like, you know, or we were talking and we talked about you really can't change a system sitting in a comfy chair. So the concept of getting out and getting involved in school systems uh, in real ways. And I love the concept of following the life of a student. And I want to put that on people's, um, we call it a day in the life or you call it living a student's life. But the other piece that I would suggest that people do is you take your most marginalized student. Take the student with the most significant disability or take the student who is homeless and in their third home this year or take the student who, right? And start to look through that lens. Or take the talented and gifted student who already knew this information before they were in third grade and now they're, you know, and so how do we, how do we live their lives? And so um, I just want to kind of push people to think about those, I call them outliers because I'm picturing a a graph, those students that are outliers, what does their life look like? Um, I did a study just with uh, a racial study. So I was looking at kids in hallways and I looked at uh, white kids and I looked at black kids and I looked at how they were greeted in hallways, especially during not passing times, but if they were ever in the hallway between during class time mm-hmm. and um, white kids were twice as likely to hear how you doing and black kids were twice as likely to hear what are you doing? Right. Interesting. And so I mean, you think about the whole inclusive school, right? Right. Every aspect to be a safe place for every kid to be able to walk into. Yes. And what does it look like to create a place where no matter where you're walking, no matter what your race, no matter what your disability, no matter what your sexuality or your gender, whatever, you're greeted with the same joy and the same love and the same willingness to connect. And those are the kind of I know you and I share this bigger dream about school systems. Um, But the only way to get there is through some brutal honesty sometimes. It just is. You, you have to start there with, I keep going back to knowing your system, seeing your system. Yeah. Best way to do it is walk in the shoes of our kids. And it, for secondary, I totally agree with, with Julie. Follow a student. So you're seeing where, you know, the two minutes for passing periods or four minutes or passing periods. Try to go to the restroom <laughs> and, and use a restroom and get out and, and go because you're in that class period. And you're, you're following that student throughout the day. Elementary is a little bit easier following a class uh, through all their, their schedules. Yeah. But keep going back to what are we trying to do for our students? If we put the students at the core of what we're doing mm-hmm. and saying we're going to make the best decisions for our students, not the adults. We want to really create cool systems and structures for our students and then staff. And it really in the structures for our staff is really to uh, allow them to amplify their amazing instructional abilities. Mm-hmm. That's our role uh, as leaders is to create systems and structures. Mm-hmm. But you have to be honest. You have to be courageous. And then you have to have this perseverance to say, we're going to see this through because this is hard. I mean, Julie was part- partnering with me in my former district. You talk about hard. <laughs> you know, again, 
I was chief academic officer in a large school district with over 50 some odd schools. Mm-hmm. We did standards-based grading, K-12, standard reference at the high school, but standards-based at, at the, and there was a lot of pushback and that was hard. It, but I'm telling you the hardest work I've ever done. And thankfully I had a great partner with my team and Julie and, and our educators was this, the work around inclusion. Mm-hmm. You had, we had to have a strong why we had to be able to look each other in the eye and say, are we in on this? Principles as well, bringing teachers in. And then it was this idea because it, it was hard. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was hard. And it was making sure that everybody understood what we were trying to do and why we were doing this for students. And it may be so different, difficult for the adults, but that's where you need partnership and people to see beyond just your system and have almost that national perspective mm-hmm. that Julie brings in to say, okay, others have done this and you can too, yeah. but you really have to have the courage to do it, the honesty to do it. But then this next piece is this perseverance and, yeah. and this crazy perseverance came, you know, uh, Dr. Mike Paskowitz, former superintendent of mine, he's the one who, who kind of gave me that terminology mm-hmm. and it's stuck with me ever since because a lot of us are, you know, have courage and we, we get some really cool ideas and we want to do things. But education, again, I've done this for a few days now. <laughs> we, we don't have the perseverance. Well, so the hard work of inclusion, what would have been easy after all the, and there was, there's plenty of, uh, of pushback and struggles and hard days. The easy thing would have been to say, you know what, let's go back and let's segregate humans again. Julie taught me that. Right. Let's let's put kids back into, you know, resource classrooms, back into self-contained classrooms. But that wasn't our why. That wasn't our honesty. That wasn't our courage. Yeah. The, the, it really was about making sure we're gonna we're gonna sustain. We're we're gonna persist through this. But we had to have a good plan. I mean, it all sounds good in theory but you have to have a plan. So talk, um, you've mentioned the resistance, which I think is we could do actually, and probably should do a whole podcast on resistance. Um, but in the, in the last couple minutes that we have, I want to talk about uh, how to use your time. So one thing that I mentioned at the start of this podcast is that when you, um, when I saw your first talk to your staff, it was about 186 hours. And it was about what are we going to do with that? Um, And so when you think about having a big dream and a big why and then staying consistent with your with your beliefs or aligned with your beliefs, how do we think about time? Now, I know one semester has already gone by and you recently had a meeting with, um, I guess, your staff. So do you do you mind jumping in there? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I do. So Julie's talking about, you know, meeting by cabinet team and, you know, I'm brand new here. So it, it, it was an easy thing for me to recognize that first semester is over. Yeah. But in my cabinet, uh, you know, we have deputy soups, soup, assistant soups, all these different people in the room. Yeah. And I looked around and said, it's also the last semester for our kindergartners. What have we done? Right. What have we done to help those kindergartners? Remember, so our demographics, mm-hmm. the other piece is 45% of our fourth graders 
only 45% of our fourth graders are reading on grade level. Right. So we better ask, what are we doing with our time all the time? Yeah. What are we doing? We can't give away a minute of that 168 hours. We can't give away any of that time as leaders sitting in. And I've got a nice office. <laughs> no time and to we, sit in it. <laughs> in those comfy chairs. We can't give away any of that time, even as a leadership team that we're highly focused on making the lives of our students better each moment. And what are we doing? So not to give away that time, because we always talk about it with our classroom teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen little signs around, you know, the, the clocks, you know, you can't keep staring at this, you know, time's passing or whatever it is. Right. But I don't know if leaders, are we honest with ourselves yeah. about the time we're using in meetings And are those meetings actually doing anything? Have they ever done anything to transform a kindergartner's life whose first semester it's over Mm -hmm. already? And they only have a few more months with us. Mm -hmm. So just understanding, I keep going back to where we started, the why, Mm -hmm. the honesty, the courage to do good work and be really thoughtful. So when you're in those meetings, what are you doing? Yeah. I love that idea that it's really outcome-based and the outcome that's clear in your thinking is those every single student having the right to have access to excellent education. Um, We didn't get the chance to talk about your team, uh, mostly because we haven't asked their permission to uh, share their stories, but I just need... um, because you're so good at this, how do you surround yourself with people that do the right work or kind of what's been your experience with that without naming their names? Um, you know, I go back to what we talked about at the classroom. I need to be with them. Mm-hmm. It's relationships. Yeah. And this is something you and I talk a lot about. <clears throat> right. It's about building those relationships, but also making sure people have space to tell you their stories mm. and their why that it's not all about me as the leader. Yeah. We create this really cool space for people to do their work. And then we collectively create our why. And then for me, I let people do their jobs. Yeah. They're a heck of a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> and we let them do our work, but we keep coming back to our 168 minutes or hours in the week. What are we doing that transformed it? But it really is about the relationships. And sometimes, I'll be honest, it's not that they're bad people or, or, or doing the, the, the work wrong. It's just not a fit. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to have that courage and that honesty to say, you know what? How about I coach you into another role yeah. that in this situation, it may not be the best fit for both of us. Yeah. And most people know that. And then you're hiring really good people. I, I'm adamant about this. You've, you're hiring smarter <laughs> and, and thought partners than yourself. And then you allow them to do their work while working under the same <clears throat> the big <clears throat> mission vision guy. Yeah. I think it's crit- you know, it's that why. What are we doing? And can we keep connecting back? And that's what we did, I think, really well in my former district mm-hmm. around, you know, we had this great uh, the, the principles of, of inclusive schools. Yeah. We kept grounding our work back into 
but do we truly believe that all kids bring competency to the classroom? And you taught us that. Mm-hmm. And you helped us think about competency for every kid. And sometimes it may show up in a different way. Right. Even the kid who doesn't speak, even the student who has really challenging behavior, even the student that's under the desk instead of sitting at it, all those humans, in fact, are often more competent than those that are willing to sit, right? (laughs) And so we've got to look in brand new ways. Um, So I'm just looking at the time, Paul, and I try to keep these podcasts short, but this was so awesome. Um, I'm just going to ask you to... put yourself for our very kind of a closing to put yourself in the position of a, a new administrator in any capacity who's just starting to make changes. Um, what advice do you have? Know your why deeply ensure that you're looking at all the meta analysis data on it in research yeah. as to how, why is this impacting kids? How is it best going to impact kids? but deeply understand it yourself before you're ready to move it out to a group, but then creating those thought partners, like Julie said, you know, your team of thought partners to really grapple with it and have a deep understanding for, you know, in the short amount of time that we have left, we really start thinking about long-term macro goals. Mm -hmm. Where are we, where do we want to go? So for us, one of our big rocks was becoming a more inclusive school district. Mm-hmm. And that sounds great. That's yeah. kind of one of those pretty things on a wall. <laughs> but how do you actually get there? How do you break those down? And what we started doing was just having really clear from yearly action steps, action plans, and then breaking it down even further with our director uh, of student support services, our assistant superintendent of teaching and learning to where you're literally looking at a number of days, a month, 45 days. So you're, you're able to do that. Yep. That I, I can do something for the next 15, 30, 45 days to accomplish, but it also keeps us focused on our big macro goal of it getting there. Right. Because that's, again, I'll go back to courageous perseverance. Think about the perseverance. You have to have those goals. You have to know your, where you're trying to get to. You know, talking about that inclusive schools, because we can talk about it a lot, mm-hmm. but sooner or later, you're going to have to do. Right. And that allowed us to do. And sometimes we didn't do it beautifully. <laughs> and it was hard. And that's what I would tell leaders. When you're in there, you're going to have courage because there are days that it, it, it's no fun. Because Julie joked about the comfy chair. As a superintendent, I get it. Mm-hmm. You, at the end of the day, you're responsible for all this. That's why I go back to making sure you, as the leader, you, you're you all in. You're both feet all in on this because at the end of the day, your board, your community, your staff, they're going to look to you as to why are we doing this? Paul, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And you better have a good answer and then also talk to them about a plan, a PD plan that supports teachers. Don't say go forth and differentiate, go forth and create access points, go forth and do this stuff. And then you go back to your office. Right. Teachers need more than that. Mm-hmm. Principals need more than that. They need, what does that look like when I'm bringing in a student who may not have this typical behaviors? Right. And that's again where Julie was like this great, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. 
I'll never forget the day you talked to us about sometimes students with autism, you know, do the ping ponging piece. Yeah. It, it was like eye opening because the teachers, do you remember the teachers looked at you and said, oh, my goodness, that's what this young person is doing. Right. We're able to give them knowledge as to how to help. And it worked. Right. So you create a PD plan. You have this short amount of time. What does it look like? You have great experts coming in, supporting, and sometimes you have them internally. Yes. We didn't at that point. So that's where that consultant comes in. But you have a plan because, unfortunately, Julie left <laughs> after a couple of days. She right. had to go back to Syracuse. Right. It was still ours. And that's our, ours. That's our next step, Paul. And I think I'm going to end by giving the audience a teaser. One thing that Paul and I sp- spent today talking about is – how do we help school districts through, you know, after being very motivated, then what are the steps to take and how do we help people take them? And so that's going to be a really fun next piece that we spend time thinking about, um, which I'm really jazzed about. So I promised my listener that we're never going to go over 30 minutes and we're at 29. <laughs> so um, because most of our listeners have about the attention span that you and I have. So we've got- <laughs> Sorry, no, no, it's wonderful. Um, I just appreciate so much your work. I can't wait to keep working with you. And thank you for sharing your knowledge and expertise. If people, listeners want to get a hold of Dr. Paul Gordon, you can contact him through my website uh, at inclusiveschooling.com and send an email and I'd happily send it on to him. Um, and we can continue the conversation there. So thank you everyone for listening. Thank you so much, Paul. And, uh, yep. And have a great day, everyone.